Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast, brought to you by the Amateur Whiskey Company. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined, as always, by... This is Dustin Shooty. Do you ask you on Twitter? I am. I am at Shooty Dustin. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast uh, as DS and I record here on Wednesday night. Um, the topics are plenty. Uh, the news broke out of Nebraska today. Um, Mickey Joseph got in trouble. Let's just say there's not much else to say on that. As of right now, we are just acknowledging the unfortunate circumstance and we will quickly move on to that and let things kind of just kind of figure itself out there. Um, another unfortunate thing that has come out uh, today, not nearly on the same, same level, I'd like to say, um, is something that DS and I, and I think Kurt and I, I think we all, I think all three of us talked about it at some point, which is the log jam that the Big Ten had at running back. I threw out there, let's break the rules and just have three first team running backs, but that's not exactly what we got, was it, DS? No, it wasn't. And it's unfortunate because this is a this is a league where you have three guys that I think if they're on if they're wearing an SEC patch on their chest, I think they're in the Heisman conversation. All three of those teams played well enough. I think all three of those teams had at least eight wins this season. Michigan um, with Blake Corum, they're uh, they're probably going to the college football playoff. Um, Minnesota with Mo Ibrahim. I mean, I, I don't know. And then Chase Brown in Illinois, you could probably make a case of, you know, 1A, 1B as to those two guys as to who's more important to their team and to their offense. So um, I, I would have loved to have seen them stretch the rules. I don't know why. This is this bugs me about the voting stuff. Like, why are we so um, why are we so stringent in, in not bending the rules with this kind of stuff? I've I've never right. understood that kind of thing. I really cannot think of one person, a coach, you know, a player, a fan, if they just did three first team running backs, how anybody would be offended. I think you could even do something crazy like three first team running backs and only one second team running back. I don't yeah. even know. Maybe that's trying too hard. I don't know. Either way, you I mean you could have had three first team running backs, two on the second, two on the third. Nobody would care. I just I can't sit there and and screw over one of those running backs or their fans by saying saying one is better than the other. The crazy thing is they all spent like one game injured, you know, and yeah. lost some stats. Um, the, their yardage is very similar. Their touchdowns, a little bit of variance there, but still strong for everybody. I don't know. Somebody had to lose. This just unfortunate. It, it had to go down like that. You know what's even crazier to me is we this is and I think you could say that this is even more somewhat controversial. I don't have a problem with it, but we've come to the extent like if you ask somebody why why can't you make an exception? It's it's kind of well, this is how we've always done it. Right. Okay, but there's this we've also gone to the point where we include now bowl game stats into a player's total when it comes to records. We've gone from 11 games to 12 games in the regular season. We don't see any a, a, amendments made to that kind of stuff. So why is it for this? It's not like like these kids get recognition for those awards, but it's not like you're hurting anybody. Like it's not. So if you're going to be if you're going to be a little bit more lenient when it comes to the records, especially when it comes to like the Big Ten championship game, when it comes to a bowl game or the college football playoff, then why are you not willing to make some rule changes for specific years? I'm sure there's been years in the Big Ten where maybe you could name two first team quarterbacks or, or right. five wide receivers, and whatever I, the case might be. And I think it, those are those are all excellent points. I thought you were going to say, 
you know, something along the lines of in 2020, we proved you could turn around and play a football game with like three days notice, you know, and you're trying to tell me that you can't put three running backs on the first team. Um, Yeah, those are all excellent points. Um, What was crazy is that unless I'm getting this incorrect, so Chase Brown is is on the second team, yet he gets on the Doak Walker list and Mo Ibrahim does not like like, it's almost like somebody got in the room and and said, okay, we're going to screw Chase once and screw Mo once. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know. And and obviously Blake Corum, because let's be honest, he's got the black M, the gold yeah. black M on his chest. He's going to be able to be okay in both. And that's not saying Blake Corum doesn't deserve it. He 100% does, but that's a little bump you get for yeah. being with the, the conference blue blood right there. I just think that's pretty obvious. But long story short, I think, you know, I can speak for Dustin Kurt. And, and certainly myself, where I say that we had three first-team running backs in the Big Ten this year, and it's obviously unfortunate that that it had to break down like that. Um, some of the other stuff that's out there, uh, uh, Devin Witherspoon wins the defensive back, Jim Thorpe of the year. Or, well, I mean, take that back. The Big Ten defensive uh, back of the year. I don't think there was much debate on that. He definitely deserves it. A little bit of, of people upset with Sam Laporta. Uh, winning tight end of the year. Um, I think, honestly, a tweet I put out was, I think because there was no other options on Iowa's offense and he was still able to put together a really good statistical year catching and receiving the ball for yardage-wise, I think my guess is that's probably something that gave him a little bit of a bump. So I saw, as a Purdue fan, I saw a lot of people, you know, uh, petitioning for Payne Durham. Here's what I want to say. I have no problem with Sam Laporta getting that award. But what I would like to say is it seems like every year we have some sort of this type of controversy where what do you want? Do you want the better player at the position or do you want the better statistics? If you go back to I think it was 2019, um, there was a big debate about who should be the defensive back of the year, uh, uh, Antoine Winfield from Minnesota or Jeff Okuda from Ohio State. I think Jeff Okuda was probably the best defensive back, but Antoine Winfield's numbers that year were incredible. So I just, again, this comes back to, I want to see more consistency from the voting. Like, are you looking for the numbers or are you looking for the best overall players? Because I think if if you put Sam Laporta in Purdue's offense, I think he has Payne Durham numbers. Um, I don't know if you could say the same thing about putting Payne Durham in, in Iowa's situation. I, maybe I could be completely wrong. I don't know. Um, but that's just my feeling. I just want to see more consistency. Like, I feel like sometimes voters who don't watch get swept up with statistics and then guys who do do watch uh, maybe don't worry about so much the numbers that guys are putting up. So that's my only complaint, I guess, in that department. Well, we'll uh, be talking a little bit on what happens when a bunch of people get in a room and try to make decisions uh, and and it having no consistency (laughs) when we talk about the college football playoffs here. A couple more things. I mean, obviously, no surprise, C.J. Stroud, quarterback of the year. Oluwatini for Michigan. I mean, he's been excellent. I mean, what a free agent pickup for Michigan. Jack Campbell, linebacker of the year. I would say for the most part, you could go down the the list of players. Mostly, you know, I I would think that there were if you got enough Big Ten fans in the room, the general consensus would probably come out pretty much how the media and the coaches have it. So congrats to all of those players. Um, Moving on to the the biggest topic at hand that has to do with, I guess, non or non football or off the field type of conversation is of course the college football playoff. Um, not to, str- not to uh, uh, brick Mar and Pat and myself on the back, 
but I called the top eight before the, the rankings were even released. I don't even think it was that difficult. Um, so, so you're, you're making a face. You think that's actually impressive that, that I did that. I'm very, I'm, I'm impressed by that. Particularly, I'm impressed that you got Penn State at number eight correctly. I didn't know. I didn't think they would have Penn State that high, to be honest with you. So kudos to you. That's impressive. Yeah, I thought I, I went to eight because I thought Penn State would be eight. So uh, going from the bottom to the top, number eight, Penn State, seven, Tennessee. Now, here was the next one, the two that I thought was a little bit interesting to see where it would go. I was happy to see Alabama at six. And Ohio State at five. I feel like a lot of Ohio State fans were just taking it for granted that they would be ranked in front of Alabama. Don't get me wrong. They 100% should be ranked in front of Alabama. But that's not what we're going off of here. We're going off of what the committee has done in the past. And let's be honest, the SEC bump is, was, is, is and always will be alive and well. And I thought we had a chance for Alabama to be ranked in front of Ohio State. Really quick, did you... Were you curious about that as well? I I probably was, was one of those people that took it for granted. But considering how highly the committee had has continually ranked Alabama when they had one loss, then when they got their second loss to LSU, I thought that there might be a chance that Alabama could be ranked higher because, because of the way the Ohio State game turned out. And by the way, it wasn't really – Michigan dominated that game, especially in the second half, so don't get this – confused but Ohio State still had a chance to win pretty late in that game yeah so but I thought the committee might look at the final score and say well Alabama had to go on the road at Tennessee they had to go on the road to LSU and lost one possession games whereas Ohio State had Michigan at home and they got beat by they got clobbered I thought yeah. that might be the committee's excuse I still expected Ohio State to be ahead but I think I fell in that category of I took it for granted and then um I mean, now that you say it, it, it is kind of somewhat surprising that they that they made that move, I think. Right. Like I put percentages out and I think I had for each spot that I could see Ohio State. I had them being at fifth at 75 percent. I had them being at fifth at 12 percent. And then the remaining small percentages, if they would actually keep them ranked in front of TCU and USC, which again, I I I don't think was with crazy that you could see it. Um, they'll get into the top four, obviously. Number four, USC, three, TCU, number two, Michigan, and number one, Georgia. Again, there was some debate that maybe Michigan would leapfrog Georgia, but again, uh, committee ain't gonna play that. So if things hold true, the the matchup we would get is extremely intriguing um we'll talk through some of these obviously i'm curious on your thoughts i'll be honest okay i mean i i'm not the biggest college football playoff proponent i love college football yeah. there's almost always a big 10 team in it with that being said it just usually seems off but i have to be honest with that the reason i feel like that most often is because there's typically two sec teams in there and it spoils it for me Knock on wood, I don't think we're going to get that this year, but it's also not completely out of the realm of possibility, which just blows my mind, but it is still possible. Long story short, if we finish up with the, the current top four being the top four, I believe there will be a lot of college football fans that will find a lot, a lot of intrigue in these matchups. So I'll say them, and then you give me your first thoughts. So number one, Georgia versus number four, USC, and number two, Minnesota versus number three, TCU. What do you think of that college football playoff possibility right there? 
to to Michigan, not Minnesota. Sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, number number uh, Gopher fans will like that though. Yeah. Uh, I think what I that would be really intriguing that USC offense against Georgia's defense. I think is going to be really intriguing. And then the other thing I, I think about with this TCU Michigan game would be. I don't know that Michigan really hasn't been – they've not been a bad first-half team, but they definitely put their foot on the throat in, this, in the final 30 minutes. And TCU has been extraordinary in the second half. So I feel like it would be one of those games, kind of like the Purdue-Syracuse game from earlier in the season where it's like halftime 7-6 to six or 10-7 to seven or something like that. And then in the third and fourth quarter, we just see a ton of points scored. Like, I, I feel like that's something that would, would be uh, a great matchup. But I think – when you look at can can Lincoln Riley, he's had his troubles when he's been in the playoff at Oklahoma against SEC defenses. Does he have a team uh, capable of testing Georgia's defense? I don't think Georgia's defense is quite as dominant as it was a season ago. Having said that, they're still pretty damn good. So there would be a. I'm just going to say this. I I legitimately think those should be the four teams, no matter what happens this weekend. So a lot of debate on Twitter this week of. I mean, let's call it how it is. This is the most, uh, th this is just a bad conference championship lineup. Like yep. essentially all of the favorite teams, none of them want to play in this game. If, if, if stop the vote, right. If you're a USC <laughs> uh, or, or TCU fan right now, I mean, Michigan and, and Georgia, we're just going to say this right now on the pod and we're not saying anything crazy. They're already in. In fact, I think they're locked in at one and two, even if even a tight conference, championship loss for either Georgia or Michigan. I still don't think there's enough on any of the resumes of the teams behind them to knock them out of those first two picks. Maybe one of them drops to three and the, and TCU or USC moves up to, to, I don't know, maybe something like that, but they're, they're almost for sure. in. Um, but long story short is USC and TCU what no business with the PAC 12 and big 12 championship. However, the people draw drew this stuff up to be, you know, in the college football playoff, was supposed to be amazing and going to add more and more intrigue to these games. Not this weekend. It, it, no. it is a big, gigantic wet blanket that is put over a lot of these games. So I guess my question would be, do you, do you think win or lose that all four of those teams should be in? Because here's this really, it comes down to me to USC. And my argument would be that both USC and Ohio state lost one game. They're both 11 and one. But if they lose, they would have lost a game Ohio State didn't have to play. You know what I'm saying? So that's I why uh, I'm not – I don't know. I guess in my head, if the committee thought that Ohio State was better than USC at, a, at an 11-1 and record, then put Ohio State at the number four and make USC work their way in. I don't know that if USC loses – you know what I – does that I make know what sense? you're saying. Yeah. I, I do. Um, it's just that there's so much precedent set – that that's not how it goes. You know, I mean, sure. how many times uh, um, Georgia didn't win the SEC championship, but I know that's not the exact same, but Georgia didn't win the SEC championship. So, so they had a loss. They're not a conference winner. They still got into the playoff and you have to give the committee credit because what happened, Georgia wound up winning the national championship. So like, and there's been other precedent set like that too. Uh, another one that a lot of people were talking about this week is is Wisconsin 2017 people forget yeah. Wisconsin was undefeated in the big 10 championship. They lost, they got knocked out 
it's almost exactly the same position TCU is in it going into that game undefeated yet somehow a bunch of naysayers across the country still don't completely believe in them. If they lose the game, it would be almost the exact same situation where a blue blood then takes their place. Um, And of course, how crazy is it that we could have a situation where TCU loses and Ohio State takes their place, which is exactly what went down in 2014, where, again, the committee wound up being correct because um, in that instance, just like kind of Georgia last year, Ohio State got in the college football playoffs and then just kind of ran through everybody. So, like, I I guess one thing I would say is that I do think the committee will just say, screw it, we're going to do whatever we want and put in the top four teams that they think. It's just that I personally believe if you are a blue blood or a bigger TV draw, that is something that is on your resume that they're never going to boo. What's his name? Boo weekly. That's the golfer, right? Who's who's the, who's the, who's the, uh, the commissioner. Uh, I keep thinking of boo Radley, but I'm pretty sure that's like from, from, uh, to kill a mockingbird, uh, boo, 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 Corrigan, right? Boo Corrigan, boo Corrigan, like boo, <laughs> boo, boo Corrigan. He is, he ain't never going to say that it's blue blood or TV ratings. But if you don't think those don't play in, you're crazy. If, if so right now, again, let me state this. If the top four teams that are on the board right now, all went out, I am perfectly fine yes. with that top four. And I think it would be a fantastic top four you've got the established college football team that's one in georgia new to the block but yet an established you know blue blood in michigan at number two then you've got the blue blood who has yet to get in with usc and then a complete non-blue blood you know a little engine that could with tcu it's like you've got four different storylines for each team I think that would set itself up for for a really awesome college football playoff. I think it had the potential to be one of the most exciting and, and interesting college football playoffs that we've had in the history of it. I, I guess the one thing I will say, this is probably just from, from my end of it, is that I could very much see a scenario, basically just what you just said. I'm afraid if TCU and USC both lose this weekend, we're going to have Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, and Alabama. I'm and I'm not I'm not convinced those aren't the four best teams. I mean, they might still be the four best teams, uh, but I, to me, it's just there's some sort of issue I have with not playing on championship weekend and then getting in when. Well, you I, know what I'm so. I I hear. You. Let me say this. Um, you you skipped down to my last scenario there that I was gonna oh. end. I was gonna <laughs> end on the doomsday. So that's my fault. I should have communicated that better. But, um, in my opinion. Ohio, Ohio State being in front of Alabama is a big deal. There, yes. There is one extra loss on Alabama's record as compared to Ohio State. I think there's a chance that if both USC and TCU lose, that TCU remains in with Ohio State. But two losses out of, out of um, uh, USC, that's going to knock them out. I just can't yeah. – I can't see USC staying in. TCU has still got a chance. I would say the best chance we have of the of the top four teams is the is the ones that we have right now. The next best one, I think, would be USC getting knocked out, TCU staying in, but but Ohio State Absolutely. remaining in. Um, but and then so that would then be you know 
Uh, number one, Georgia versus number four, Ohio State. Number two, Michigan versus uh, number three, TCU. That would be great. You could do that exact same one, except switch out TCU for USC if they're the ones that win. I mean, Michigan versus Ohio, or uh, Georgia versus Ohio State, Michigan versus USC. That is, oh. I mean, that's fit. That is right there. That one, my guess, is probably the the TV uh, network's wet dream right there. Yes. I mean, you've I would got, agree. And then, or, or would it be ESPN's wet dream, which I think would be Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, and Alabama? Because not, I, I would be curious, like, would they actually want Ohio State or Alabama out and have one of those teams replaced by USC? Would that actually be their number one if you got them, you know, hooked up with some sodium pentothal and they had to tell you the truth, would that actually be the one that they would want so that they could get the USC and the West Coast in? I would say yes. I think if you ask me, I would think that the ideal scenario, because we've seen Alabama so frequently, I think that the ideal scenario then would be to include USC because it adds a level of intrigue that we haven't seen in the past. So I do agree with you on that front but at the same time these people know a lot more about networks and about all those ratings (laughs) than i do yeah (laughs) so i don't know how much but i feel like i feel like usc is more than just the west coast it it incorporates the west coast but i feel like everybody wants to watch usc so i think there's more of a draw there when you include the west coast as opposed to alabama maybe they're not quite as popular out on that west coast yep Uh, tv i i agree tv networks assume right now georgia and michigan are in that third team they want in is USC because of all the things you just laid out. I would also add there's a very good chance that Caleb Williams is going to be the Heisman Trophy winner. So then you bring the Heisman Great Trophy point. winner into the playoffs. That fourth spot, though, is is what's interesting. Would they want TCU, Ohio State, or, or Alabama? Uh, I, I don't know how to answer that. Uh, the last thing I would say is there could be ways that things get monkeyed around if it's, again, Sorry to keep saying the same teams, but it's the only ones we got to talk about. Georgia, Michigan, Alabama, and Ohio State. Then how do they do this? Do they have a Big Ten versus Big Ten, you know, semifinal, SEC versus SEC semifinal? Or do they mix it up where you've got both games being big on SEC crime? That blows my mind. Like, it honestly, smoke comes out of my ears just thinking how they could manipulate that. But that could be something that we could see. See, I, if you ask me, I think they're going – I think they would go conference on conference at that point if you had four teams, two conferences. Because I feel like there's going to be a lot of intrigue between seeing those two matchups and then getting a more diverse championship game. Okay. As opposed to seeing – this. let's let's just pretend in, the, in, the, in our ultimate doomsday uh, scenario that both Georgia and Alabama win. That would be the third time in, what, five years, six years that we've seen that championship game. There's going to be a level, I think, of drop-off and decline. So I think they would want to set up a better or a, a more unique championship game opportunity as opposed to some the potential of something we've already seen, especially we just saw it last year. No, it's a really good point. Um, didn't think about it like that. But it's nuts because you could potentially have, like, let's say, 
number one, Georgia versus number four, Alabama, but yet those teams didn't play each other this year. Yeah. So that there, you know, there's some intrigue there. Yeah. But then the other crazy thing is if, you know, number two, Michigan plays number three, Ohio State, it's the second time that they've played as the number two and three team in the country, but the numbers wow. switched when they play. So that's just, I something. didn't think about that either. <laughs> that's just something I've thought. I mean, we're just kind of having fun here. Um, I, you know, but these are all options that are on the table in a, in a way, this is one of the more interesting down the stretch on, on how this could wind up. So I guess I'm kind of talking out of two sides of my mouth, another eyes on big, uh, staple, uh, statement, because it does wind up adding intrigue to the PAC 12 championship on Friday night and the big 12 championship on Saturday afternoon, because essentially everybody's looking at, you know, can those teams pull it out? And do we start setting these 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 uh, matchups in stone? Well, I just it it's something new for all of us, right? Like it's for so many years, it was basically, dear God, are we going to get two SEC teams? And Clemson's <laughs> obviously going to be in. Yes. Is it going to be Notre Dame or Oklahoma? Like it, it just seems so boring. Like we would get riled up. Me personally, I would get riled up about the rankings. I'm like, this is dumb. It's going to be this. You know, it's going to be three of the four same teams this year. I feel like we have some. I mean. We do know, but but we have a lot of different scenarios heading into championship weekend, and I don't know the last time we had, at least off the top of my head, where we had this many scenarios that could play out. Just like just the seedings and how they could they could finagle these matchups is intriguing. Yep, yep. And you hit on one thing there that I'm glad you did because I wanna I wanna reiterate it on it again. I have no problem with Ohio State getting into the college football playoff if if TCU, USC, or both lose. Like they are the most deserving team to 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 fill in if one of those two or both falter. So I just want to make sure I say that. But I would be willing to sacrifice Ohio State not getting in if it definitely stamps out Alabama getting in. Yes. Like above every single thing on the table. I do not want to see Alabama get it as fun as the all SEC, all Big Ten matchup would be. I'm just tired of it, tired of Bama, tired of two SEC teams going in. Maybe that makes me, you know, a fun hater. I don't know, but that's that's where I stand. No, I'm with you. I have Bama exhaustion at this point. All right. Uh, That will get us on to the only game we have this week, which, of course, is the big game of the week, the Big Ten Championship in Indianapolis, Indiana. The eight and four Purdue Boilermakers versus the 12 and 0 number two ranked Michigan Wolverines. Michigan is favored by 16 and a half in this game over under 52. So Vegas is saying something like 35 to 17. If I'm looking at this correct, Ohio, uh, Michigan is actually the home team, correct? Even though Purdue is certainly, as far as proximity, is closest to Indianapolis. Because of that, I believe. Uh, my podcast partner tonight has purchased some tickets. It is going to be in attendance to the game. I purchased the tickets. I am going to also need to purchase some binoculars because I don't know if I'm <laughs> going to be able to see the field. But, hey, you know what? This may never happen again. I was willing to spend a lot of money on those tickets, uh, even though they're not great seats. I just wanted to be in the building and see a little bit of history. It's going to be a blast. I'm excited about it. Um, I, I mean – I, I'm just I'm giddy about this because I've I never thought I would see it. And then when the divisions were going to announce they were going to go away, I'm like, well, I may never, ever see right. uh, this happen. So I'm fired up about it. I'm excited. 
for those um, for those that don't know, uh, DS he does hide his Purdue footballness pretty well on Twitter and in the podcast. But at heart, you are a Purdue fan yes. across the board, yeah. so this is obviously a game that you're going to have a rooting interest in. It I am assuming with you spending time in Indiana, you've been to Lucas Oil Stadium for a football contest before. Yes, I've been to. I've actually covered a couple games there at Lucas Oil. I've been to some Colts games, and that might might be. I think I've been to some some of the high school state playoff games okay. at Lucas Oil. So it's a, it's a great venue. I love it. It's a great spot for the Big Ten championship. I think Indianapolis is a great city. Period. In terms of hosting these kind of events, so uh, if anybody's listening and going, get there early. Hit up yes. some of the local establishments. I know last year you hit up Kilroy's, which was risky, but it sounded like you had a great time there. So I'm glad you did. We tried to avoid Kilroy's, but it just sucked us in like it had a tractor beam. <laughs> but we got so lucky. There was a table, big round table right by the bar, right by TV screens. We posted up there for, oh, man, it had to have been like eight hours, and it was fantastic. So um, uh, the hardest part is just find a place to, to stay if you get that covered because I think you got – friends and family nearby, that's good to go. And then once you find a spot, stay there. And the last thing I was going to say is uh, Doug the Carthaginian and the Zed man, we sat next to each other at the game last year. Our our noses were a little, you know, we need a little toilet paper in the nostrils, but <laughs> sure. because of the way that Lucas Oil is set up, um, there's really not, a, I, I don't think there's a bad place in the, in the house to be able to check it out. Well, one of the things to me, so I hate sitting up high for basketball games because you can't really see what's going on. But when you sit up high, I think you even talked about this. When you sit up high enough, you can see kind of the plays develop. You can see like you can see stuff that you can't always particularly see if you're in the lower, you know, behind the end zone or in a certain corner. So I do appreciate that aspect of it. Um, and like I said, I'm going because it's going to be a great time. You want those few moments throughout the game, win or lose, where you just get, you know, yes. bring you to your feet. That's that's why you go to these events. Correct. And, uh, I couldn't pass this up. Uh, so, uh, man, I just I've got so much juice Excited. going. <laughs> yeah, baby. I don't know oh, how yeah. much you're, my, get, you're getting close, my analysts. Yep. I know. Um, last thing I would say before we get to some of the X's and O's and on the field stuff, um, Purdue's been fans have been a little quiet on Twitter this week in my mind. Um, yeah. And, and, but yet on the other side. Michigan fans, I mean, this is just such a difference between them being in the Big Ten Championship last year. You tell me if I'm making too big a, big a deal out of this. It's just something I feel like I'm kind of picking up on, which is winning the Big Ten Championship last year for Michigan was a big deal, okay? Like, I know they were a favorite in this game. Almost exactly the same number this year as it was last year for Iowa. In fact, it maybe was a little bit less for Iowa last year, if I'm, if I'm going to guess. Um, so long story short is I wonder if there was more, more intangibles in favor of Michigan last year, as opposed to this year when let's be honest, like there's a little zip out of this game. You know, they, they, it, it was a big deal to obviously go beat Ohio state. They did that last year too. Don't get me wrong, but they needed to win to get into the college football playoffs. And, you know, they were trying to put style points on the board, I believe, last year to help themselves out with their seating as much as possible. They can lose this game 28 to 27. They're still going to get in the college football playoff. Do you think I'm being too drama filled when I say that there is a little bit of, of juice that's taken out of this game for Michigan and Michigan fans? 
No, and I might disagree on the reasoning. Um, so last year, obviously, you're you're dead on. They had one loss last year. They had to win the Big Ten championship in order to to solidify their spot in the college football playoff. There's no doubt about that. I also think there was a little bit of still that Jim Harbaugh, even though they beat Ohio State, we always seem to to fumble it. We always seem to come up a win short, a play short and we're not going to get into the college football playoffs. So I feel like there was a little bit of that tension and anxiety, like can we actually do it? Now that they did it last year and they've looked so good all season long and they just throttled Ohio State at Ohio State, I think it's more of like a quiet confidence. Wow. I think they're going into – like the fans, I think at least, are going into this game saying, this is Purdue. We got no trouble with this. We just we just clobbered Ohio State. And the fact that if we lose, big deal. It's one loss. Everybody – you know, we're going to be in the college football playoff. Maybe we'll be a three seed instead of the two seed, but we still have everything we wanted to accomplish in front of us. And that's win a national championship. So I think, I, I just think it's a more quiet confidence because they've actually done it before. Whereas once you get one under your belt, you're a lot more confident last year, going into last year's game. And Iowa was a with nine wins at, at that point or 10 wins at that point in the season. Um, Iowa was a good football team. I think you look at this Purdue team and you say, I don't think they're going to be able to stop our rushing attack. So I, I just think there's a lot of confidence on the side of Michigan. That's a really good, that's a really good point. That's a great read. My guess is probably a lot of the uh, players and coaches inside the Michigan locker room probably feel the same way. If we go in, get a, do, do what we know we can do, we're going to win the game. But on the other side, I mean, Purdue's got nothing to lose here, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, Michigan's got a, a low number by, by their name, which is, always scary for anybody that has played Purdue. Um, and then, you know, you've got some banged up Wolverines, right? Blake Corum is not going to play in this game. Donovan Edwards looked great last week. So we know he can pull it off. He's still working through the thumb deal. I, I mean, this, it, it, there is some things here. Maybe I'm, maybe it's the prototypical, you know, guys that are covering the sport that are trying to build this up. Maybe that's what I'm doing here, but I don't think I have to be too crazy to say it's it's it, that you know very quickly we could see maybe Purdue up in the first half in this game and Michigan has to wake up and get to work. The the gift that came to mind immediately was I don't know if anybody listening is a fan of New Girl, but it's that uh, Winston Bishop where he turns to the camera and he just kind of smiles when he's looking through the uh, when he's looking through the window because I feel like that's what Jeff Brom goes into this game like I think. Because he's got nothing to lose, like you said, he is going to throw every trick play. He knows Purdue cannot beat this team straight up. He's going to throw every trick play, every sort of every sort of offensive trick he may have is going to be on that field. And he doesn't care if they get beat 38-37 or if they get beat 58 to 7. In my because what have you got to lose? There, there's already been uh, uh, some reports that. Even if Purdue were to upset Michigan, they're probably not going to the Rose Bowl. They'll probably take Ohio State. So what do you really or have Penn to lose State. in this game? Or, or, Penn State. State. Or, yep. or they could take Penn State. Um, what do you really have to lose in this game? So there's, there's basically there's nothing at stake. You have everything to gain and nothing to lose. So I think early in this game, you like to you like I'm going to steal your phrase. He's going to take YOLO shots. I don't know how that's going what that's going to be in the form of. But he's gonna every trick he's got up his sleeve is gonna be on that field. I can guarantee it on Saturday. There you go. I mean, and that's that's what I think I expect. You know, like I and there is a feast or famine to this, right? Where 
they miss, they fall apart. It's 24 to three at halftime and people are clicking off Fox. Like, like we definitely have that as a possibility that could wind up happening on Saturday night. Um, with that being said, I think there's enough there all around with Purdue where if Michigan gets it going, maybe, you know, if Michigan starts scoring points, we've seen Purdue's defense rise up and play better at times. You know what I mean? Like there's nothing with the, the uh, Purdue team that is completely void of positive things that could happen. They can run the ball. We know they can throw the ball when Aiden O'Connell gets hot. By the way, shout out to Aiden O'Connell's family this week. Don't even know what to say about that either. That's horrible. You know, hopefully Aiden can can play and play well. Um, the defense doesn't always look great, but there's been times where the defense looked good. Long story short is there's there's nothing so void in the Purdue team that that Michigan could just kill it for for the entire day. Right. I don't I don't think so. Well, let me backtrack on that just a little bit. I think we saw something that I didn't expect to see when, when we talked before rivalry week, I thought if Michigan was going to have to throw the ball, it was going to be good night Wolverines because I thought Ohio state would be able to get enough pressure. I thought maybe JJ McCarthy can make a few plays, but not nearly enough. Um, He threw the ball extremely well. He was extremely efficient. He did some things with his legs that scares me because this Purdue secondary has not played well this season. So as much as we've talked about the, the Wolverine running backs being banged up heading into this game, I think that they can rely a little bit more on their passing attack heading Crazy. into this game and they can still win the football game. So I think they're, he's going to have to be accurate because at times Purdue's defense can play opportunistic. I think they can, I think they can make some plays. And again, Brom's going to have this team playing aggressive. And if they, if he says, you know what, if they, if they, if you go for an interception, they catch it and they rip off a 75 yard touchdown, let it be. We're going to have to create extra possessions in this game to win. So I think Purdue's going to be very aggressive. So JJ McCarthy, if they're going to throw the ball, he's going to have to be pinpoint accurate because as bad as Purdue's secondary has been this season, they still have some guys who can make some plays. Yes. Um, so switching over to Michigan, that's what's interesting is, you know, just six days ago, five days ago, you know, we know exactly what Michigan is, right? We know exactly what they are now, suddenly, and I'm hoping, I'm wondering if this could be something that propels them to have an advantage throughout the playoffs. Now, suddenly, I don't know what they're going to do just this Saturday night, because again, what the reason I had predicted erroneously that Ohio state would win the game last Saturday is because I saw what Michigan's offense looked like when Blake Corum went out, they struggled to run the ball versus a good Illinois defense. And they're going against a good Ohio state defense. I, I said it last week or on Sunday on the pod or Monday, excuse me on the pod that it wound up working in Michigan's favor for Blake Corum to be out because it forced him into a vertical passing game that Ohio state was not ready for. Now Purdue has got to get ready for both. Right. And, and so will every team that faces Michigan. There's suddenly a three Fat, uh, uh, three level attack running the ball with the running back, running the ball with their quarterback, and throwing the ball down the field. So, like, I would love to know what what Purdue's defensive staff how they would have broke down this game a week ago as compared to how they're breaking it down now. That's going to be a nightmare for Purdue and seemingly for one or two teams that Michigan's going to see in the playoffs. And I think what's also going to be interesting about this game is Purdue and Michigan have not played 
in five, I think 2017, I think Jeff Brom's first year was the last time they played. And you look at who Michigan played from the West this year. I mean, Illinois was basically a mirror image of Michigan. So they knew how to game plan for them. Iowa's offense, obviously at that time, early in the season had their struggles. They hadn't um, found, found some success. Um, and that at that point, and then Nebraska, obviously they just weren't very good for most of the season. So they were able to take advantage. This Purdue team is a little bit different. You don't really know much about them. And if you go back and look at some of the previous film to Jeff Brom, yeah, you're going to find out some tendencies, but unlike any of the other seasons that he's been there, now Purdue can kind of run the football. So how do you game plan for that? So that's why I think that this is going to be a sneaky, tough matchup for that Michigan defense. Now I do agree with you that there, if Purdue misses on some of these, it's going to be 24, three, you know, 28, three, and it's going to be game over. But I, I just think that with the unfamiliarity there, I think Michigan's defense is going to be stressed at least at some point in this game between the 20s. Now, they might bow up in the red zone and make some plays and, and force Purdue to sell for some field goals, but I think Purdue's offense is going to be able to test this Michigan defense. I think I know what you're saying, which is comparing Michigan's defense to Purdue's offense, in my opinion, is advantage Michigan. Yeah, but not advantage Michigan the entire game. Like that's what we're saying. So Michigan fans, we're not saying Michigan's right. defense isn't great and doesn't match up well versus a lot of teams, including Purdue. It's just in this environment, there's just nothing for Purdue to lose. So they're they're just going to take they're going to take the shots, and I think they're not going to hit a huge amount of them, but they're going to hit enough to get some points on the board and yards yards on the field. Yeah, and and this Michigan secondary too really they really step up uh, when they got to, like at times you thought Ohio State's de uh, offense was going to be able to throw all over them, and in the second half of that game they shut it down. So this is also a really good Michigan team that if they see something in the first half they can make a lot of adjustments in the second half. So that's kind of what I expect to see as well. They maybe they take their time in that first half and it takes the second half for them for them to make those adjustments, but. Um, I don't know. I, I think that, well, I'll go, I'll go. First. I don't, I don't wanna, I'll go. Okay. First. I was you, gonna say, you, you, it's gotcha. your, you, you got more, <laughs> you got more skin in the game with this. So I'm going to go first. I'll get my prediction out. Then you get the last one of the, of the regular season too. So I, I think we're mostly seeing the same game here. Um, I, I believe there will be tense moments for Michigan. Then I believe some mistakes by Purdue and overall, let's take control of this game will happen. Now that could happen as early as the second quarter. It could happen as late as the beginning of the fourth quarter. I, I, I mean, I think all of those are in there, but in between whenever that happens and then Michigan takes control of this game, I think we're going to have a really entertaining big 10 conference championship. In the end, I've got Michigan 38 Purdue 23. So that is a Purdue covered at 61 points. I got it going over. We, we are seeing the same game. I've got Michigan 38 Purdue 27. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to so, say 24. I, I, uh, so just real quick, I think we see something where I think like Purdue has a 17, 14 halftime lead and then Michigan comes out, makes those adjustments and they're, they just, they, they're Michigan. I think that's what we'll see in the second half of that game. But I expect a lot of I, I expect a lot of points. Going to be a lot of fun. 38-27, that's obviously a Purdue cover. And then at 65, that's that's pretty well over. Yeah, I kind of like the over bet in this game. Um, the only thing I could see it staying under is essentially if it's uh, turnovers that take scores off the, the, the scoreboard. That That's how I see it staying under. 
So assuming that that's not the case, I think we're gonna I think we're gonna see some fireworks. We're gonna have some fun. You're gonna either way. I feel like you're gonna walk out of Lucas Oil Stadium, feel like the ticket was worth it, and you had a yeah. good time. That's that's all I'm hoping for. I just want to see a good game. I want to see some fireworks, and I want those few moments, man. That's I think you'll I get want. it. I think you'll get it. Well, for me, DS. Probably every Eyes on Big listener, except for, you know, maybe Michigan fans. We hope you have a great time on Saturday night. Glad glad you get to go to the game. I am Jeffrey the Greek. I'm not Big Kurt. This has been the Eyes on Big Podcast. We'll talk to you soon.